And welcome back to the Confidence Covered by Humility podcast, where we learn together what it takes to lead our businesses, our teams, our homes, ourselves with humble confidence. Hey, I'm James Mayhew, and it is my distinct honor today to welcome our guest, Jacob Brown. And as I read his bio to you, as impressive as it is, I think it just scratches the surface of who this man is, and it's why I'm so blessed that he agreed to be one of the first guests on this new podcast. Jacob is a former NFL athlete turned entrepreneur, transformational speaker, and writer. He is the chief transformational officer for Purpose Point and co-founder of Varlo, a cycling and triathlon apparel brand. Jacob is mostly known for his thought leadership on LinkedIn, hashtag fail forward posts, and inspirational videos. He travels globally speaking to corporations, colleges, and sports teams about how to take failure and turn it into fuel. He's a family man, a husband of one, and a father of four. Jacob, man, it is awesome to have you here. I am so grateful that uh, that you're joining the, the podcast today. James, thank you so much. I couldn't, I could not get wait to get on the podcast and uh, and talk with you. You know, we talked a little while ago, and um, we've been wanting to do this for a while. And I'm excited that that you've invited me to to be on here, and I'm humbled and honored. Man, I, I I'll be honest with you. You know, and and to people who are listening to this, um, reaching out to you, I, I was like, this is a bit of a stretch. He might he might just blow it off. He might say no, but I'm going to go for it because I followed you for uh, several years. I don't know how long on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And I was just always was thinking about how I'd scroll through there. And then here'd be your, you used to do a lot of videos of you like getting dressed and it was like this, this little snap and you were just in, instantly dressed the way you cut it. That was really cool. And, but it was that, I don't know, it was just seeing your smiling face and you'd scroll through and every time I wanted to stop and just watch, cause it was a real quick little inspirational moment. And uh, again, that's just the power of LinkedIn of bringing people who, would never bump into each other, uh, together. And, um, absolutely. so that's how, how we got to know each other. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Thank you for that. Well, you're welcome, man. Well, tell me, uh, tell us about fail forward and, um, wh- you know, how did this start? What is, what's this hashtag fail forward all about? <laughs> well, fail forward is, is something that started back for me in 2006. Uh, back in 2006, I was getting ready to go to the NFL my aunt Faith, uh, Devette Lupo, she asked me what would happen if I did not make it to the NFL, which put me back on my heels because I'm a 22-year-old, you know, very cocky, very arrogant, very athletic young man, and I was getting ready to go to the league, and there was nothing that was I saw that was going to stand in my way for that, unless I got injured and, or something terrible happened, right? And she asked me, well, what, what if it doesn't work out? And I said, I'll just fall back on what I was getting my degree at the time, graphic and web design. And she she told me, she says, if you're going to fall or fail, always fall forward. Mm. And the moment she said that to me, <clears throat> it struck me because in football, we're taught like when you get tackled to fall forward because you gain extra yards. And if you get tackled on the one yard line, you score a touchdown. Right. So it's the same is true in life that I've learned over my years is that even when you fall or even when you fail, if you fall forward, you gain extra knowledge, you gain extra truth, you gain extra experience. So the, the things that you failed from weren't for naught, right? It's, it's still something you can apply to your life and carry to your next experience. And, and a lot of times when you fail forward, you you grow and you, you exponentially grow a lot quicker and a lot faster in whatever you're going to go after next. So I have always failed forward. Back in 2017, uh, January, I wrote my first fail forward post. 
And since that day, every single day, I've been posting about fail forward. I'll hashtag fail forward after every post um, because I want people to remember that no matter what they go through, no matter what happens in their life, good or bad, always, always, always fail forward. That is a wise, wise aunt you had. <laughs> yes, she <laughs> That's is. That's amazing. I love it. So, so tell us a little bit about your your NFL career. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm a sports guy. I'm interested in. I love watching sports. It's we're recording this on uh, March 24 of 2023. Uh, mm-hmm. The uh, NCAA March Madness is going on. Um, uh, I think there's a lot of parallels between sports and life and business and. Uh, so, so what was your career like? I mean, I assume you, like, I don't know if you had a long career and I actually don't know anything about your playing career. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So my career was cut pretty short, um, due to factors that I could not really control, um, uh, by someone that I, I trusted. Um, and that was my agent at the time. And, um, hmm. you know, I was, I, I had multiple uh, deals coming out of college uh, to go play for a few different teams, um, but I was kind of shipped to a certain team, and I had no idea, you know, at the time that I was kind of being used um, as a uh, as a pawn uh, at the time. So it it sucked for me, but you know, at while during my time at the Oakland Raiders, I got to play right next to Randy Moss, catch passes from Aaron Brooks. I saw Warren Sapp on the other side of the line. Art Shell was our coach. And I got to live like my dream. I got, I made it to the NFL. I practiced on the football team. I caught NFL balls, and I, my number was 19. Right. Um, short, shortly after camp, I was cut. You know, and um, there was never really a chance I was going to make that team. I had no idea at the time. Um, and you know, I, I went after a few few other teams, but things just didn't work out, and really sucked at the time. And I was I was probably depressed for about a month after I was cut, until I uh, had to you know pick myself up and, and, and fail forward. And that's when my life really actually began. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So in gaining yards, this concept of falling forward, I think there's a pre, you know, something that has to happen before it. Let me say it that way. And that is, is you've got to be willing to, sh- to try, Yeah, absolutely. you, you know, cause doesn't fear stop people from, Maybe the fa- fear of failure stops people from even trying. So you can't fail forward if you never try, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. In some of my talks, I talk about this fear of failure and where fear even comes from. And during my studies, I learned that there are seven different levels of fear. And okay. I mean, from trepidation all the way up to terror. A lot of times people don't go after jobs. They don't go after relationships. They don't start businesses because of the fear of the unknown. They have no idea. Like they're like, I don't I don't, I don't know if I'm going to have a steady paycheck. So I'm going to stick to something safe. Right. Which is not safe. It's never safe. That's uh, true. So uh, that fear of failure is not real. It's 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 a false you know, it's a false narrative that we feed ourselves and then we allow society to feed us as well um, in order to stay in in line. And um, that's something we've got to get over and we've got to fail forward. And, you know, I, there's a quote that says, you know, be brave enough to suck at something new. And, you know, when you first start anything, you're going to probably suck at first, but be brave enough to suck at something new and then you'll gain your momentum and you'll get better. You just inspired something that a, a very close friend of mine taught me. His, uh, I hope he listens to this. I'll, I'll make sure he gets a link and he, that he knows that I mentioned him. And his name's Rob Gedemy. And uh, I've known Rob for about 20 years. And um, 
again, two guys that probably would normally get in the same circle, uh, but through a life group at our church, we, we met and we were doing small group together. And he, uh, I ended up inviting him to speak to um, a group of um, high schoolers. Uh, I was doing some volunteer work a few years ago at my local high school and entrepreneurial class. And I, so I brought entrepreneurs in uh, to talk to them. And uh, Rob came in and he said, I- I'll bet most of you have heard the phrase, get comfortable with being uncomfortable, yep. right? He said, I have a little different spin on this. He says, I, I've had to learn how to get comfortable being unqualified. And I went, whoa. Wow. I mean, what a cool truth bomb that is, is because it's what you were just saying is we're never like really fully qualified for the next thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can have education, we can have experience, we can have talent, things that we've developed in ourselves, but we're that's like like kind of the floor. You know, Absolutely. that we now we've got to figure it out too as we go. And you know, law or medicine, those kind of industries, they call their their businesses a practice. Mm-hmm. Well, I kind of feel like I'm in a practice, you know, I'll bet you feel like that. And, and, uh, anyway, I just think that that's a really cool way of, of expressing that. And that's helped me, um, re I don't know, thinking about how I would say that is it's helped me take chances that I wouldn't have taken before. hundred percent, you know, hundred percent. And I love your analogy about the doctors and physicians that, that call their profession a practice, you know, because they're, you're never going to be an expert in anything that you do. And if you keep the mindset of practice and that you're trying to get better, um, that that's where the humility comes in. So what makes people, I don't know. I mean, you talked about examples of being, you know, in the dark and it's the fear of the unknown, but what, what really holds people back from trying? Do you think imposter syndrome Imposter Imposter syndrome. I I talk a lot about imposter syndrome and that little voice that comes to the back of your mind right before you're going to do something great. And if we really, really uh, take inventory and look back on our lives, we'll realize that right before we did anything great, an imposter came and they came to to speak to you right before. And you had a decision to make, right? To not listen to it or to listen to it. And a lot of times that fear of failure that means you've listened to that imposter syndrome and you stopped from doing something great. But if you push through, it's always something amazing on the other side. And um, I think that fear of failure is something that, um, you know, that that little voice in the back of our head of whether it's our parents or whether it's our friends or whoever it was that doubted us when we were younger. And as we were growing up, that's the voice that usually comes and visits us right before we do something amazing. And we've got to it's not that we got to prove ourselves wrong. We've got to prove that voice wrong. And push through. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what, what advice would you give somebody who is dealing with self doubt or, or fear? How do you overcome the imposter syndrome? How do you shut that little, that little, I always think about the little guy on the shoulder, right? That's chirping at you. And, and how do you, how do you quiet that? Usually what I do is I, I take inventory on what I've done in the past, right? What have you done in the past that you never thought you could do, but you ended up doing what has come to you that you never thought you deserved, but you end up receiving, you know, mm-hmm. and and a lot of times we can't move forward because we forget where we came from. And, um, you know, there are people that have made it all the way to the NFL that still don't believe they're good enough to play football. 
And that hmm. that's because that imposter is it never goes away. It's still going to speak to you. you. You might make it all the way to the Super Bowl and you can ask Tom Brady. He still deals with imposter syndrome. And us from the outside looking in, we look at him like that's the goat. He's the best quarterback to ever play in the NFL. But I guarantee before every game, before every play, he has a little bit of doubt in the back of his mind. And that's just the way that humans are wired, you know. And how do you push through that? You look at you look at your past. You remember how amazing you are. You remember that you were you were created to do something great. Mm-hmm. And as long as you believe that, you'll see it. Uh, have you ever had somebody truly believe in you? Oh my gosh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think I think the most powerful words that you can ever say to another human being are I believe in you. I believe in you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Not that I think you can do it or I, I, you know, I'm, I'm behind you, but it's like, no, I, I believe in you and I know that you can, you can do it. And that's, I, I've had people tell me those things. And it's funny because it took me years to believe in myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got, I've got a really good friend that told me years ago, like you need to step away from corporate America and you need to be the Jake Brown that I know. And it took me a couple of years to believe that and to step into that purpose. And I thank him all the time for, for giving me that type of belief, that power, you know, and speaking those things into existence for me. Yeah, I always, I reference this, I share this video a lot, but there's a, you know, Andy Andrews talks about the butterfly effect and how you're flapping your butterfly wings. And I, I love how he says that because I've had that person in my life too. I've had that person that says, I believe in you. Mm -hmm. And they've said it when I didn't. And and it's exactly what we needed to hear at that right time, you know? And, And you're so right what you said about if I say I genuinely believe in you, it's I'm, I'm being specific about the things that I'm seeing. I'm being specific about the abilities that I see. Absolutely. Not just being a cheerleader and a champion for you and saying, Hey, you got this. I know you're going to be great. It's, it's no, it's like helping me see the stuff that I feel like I don't have. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, like you said, it's very specific. It's not just, uh, you know, a cloud pie in the sky. It's like, no, I believe in you for this. And that is what helps, you know, get me over the hump and, and to start believing in myself for that specific thing as well. Mm, that's good stuff. So uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the stuff that you've had to overcome in your life. I, I mean, we all have things that that have held us back. Mm-hmm. There's been... Um, trials, there's been struggle, there's been literally massive roadblocks in our lives. So you've, you've been fairly open about sharing some of those. And I would just like you to, to share a few of those. And, and again, I know you're going to bring it back to around, um, maybe like strength and courage. And, and I, I, we've got a big subject I want to get to in a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I, I've been not shy about, you know, my struggles and things that I've gone through in my life, you know, all the way back to 2012 when I went through my divorce um, and lived homeless for for quite a bit of time. And and even as recently as struggling with uh, al- alcohol. And, um, you know, I am going to be 19 months sober tomorrow Amen. Uh, on the on the 25th. Uh, and I and I couldn't be more excited about the journey. Um, that I've underwent and the transformation that I've gone through um, from my sobriety journey. I think that alcohol was a huge problem in my in my life. Um, as I look back all the way through college, 
um, it was an issue and it was something that caused a lot of problems and that uh, that kind of encouraged me to cause more problems than I needed for myself. Um, and it's definitely not something I was proud about um, and not proud about, but I am proud of the transformation that I've made in the last 19 months and in the years to come. I, I'm, I'm very excited because it's something that's allowed me to step into truly my purpose and in the man that you see today. When you think about, you know, the, the things of, you, you know, I just love the fact that you say you're a transformational speaker instead yeah. of a motivational speaker. Uh, if I'm coming to one of your events, well, first of all, I, I, I want to just clarify who are the people that you're speaking to? And, and, you know, I know you speak to some young people at times and I know you're speaking to corporate America at times. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so, I really have no specific audience. Um, anyone that wants their mind to be transformed um, and their perspectives shift shifted. Transformational speaker versus motivational speaker was something that I kind of transitioned into over the last year. Um, yeah, I, 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 I love motivational speakers um, and I love to, to speak positively and, and empower people uh, from a motiv motivation perspective, but I don't think that lasts as long as transformation. Transformation is something that happens over time. So a lot of my talks, when I do talk, my goal is to, to not just motivate people at the time, but to transform their mind and empower them to do things and go after goals in a different way than they have in the past. Um, so that's why I've made the transition from motivational to transformational speaker. And I actually had someone come up to me after one of my talks and he specifically said, I don't think you're a motivational speaker. I think you're a life transformationist. And it put put me back on my heels um, because I because if, if you notice what I do every day in LinkedIn, it's not always pretty. Um, it's not always something that people want to hear, but it's something that a lot of times people need to hear. Um, yeah. And, and uh, most of the things that I post and I talk about on LinkedIn, I'm literally speaking back to myself um, because I, I still need that type of transformational, motivational encouragement and empowerment. Um, and sometimes you have to speak to yourself and it resonates with other people. So that's why I keep going. No, I think that's beautiful, man. That's um, it's it's being vulnerable. It's being I think that is the epitome of of humility. What you're talking about right there is just saying, listen, here's who I am. Yeah, I'm not perfect. None of us are. Here's my scars. Here's the here's the stuff I've been drugged through or dragged myself through. Mm -hmm. uh, and and here's how I picked myself up again time and time again. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that vulnerability, it does resonate because people, people love a good hero story, right? Right. You're the hero of your story. And, and the hero for you now is, is, is you're showing other people what's possible. Yes. And, and every hero's journey, you know, I, I love a good superhero movie. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and, and one of my favorite actually illustrations, and I don't remember which Spider-Man movie this was, but Peter had lost basically his, <clears throat> his, his aunt found out that he could have saved his uncle or, or maybe prevented it from happening. You know, he lost his girlfriend. He lost his best friend. He lost his, his uh, mentor. It was the one with Doc Ock in it. And anyway, Toby McGuire was the was the actor. And I just thought he was remarkably good at showing like this just devastation of loss, like in, in a matter of what seemed to be hours. Absolutely. Everything was gone. Yeah. And yet he had to pick himself back up. That's mm -hmm. the stuff that we we get pumped about uh, and excited for. Um, What's been that journey for you? What What's been something that's been your 
Spider-Man moment, if you will. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say that the hero's journey is a it's a story that I absolutely love and resonate with. And there's there's a few things that happen in a hero's journey all the time, right? And they leave home and they lose themselves. And then they have to come to and they fight their demons, they fight their villains or whatnot. And then they always, always, always return home, right? They always return home. It's kind of like the prodigal son yeah. story, right? And they, they always return home. Well, some, something like that for me, and I talk about this with the story of the Golden Buddha, and I'm not sure if you've ever heard of the story of the Golden Buddha, but the, um, the, my, my journey was I had to go out and understand for myself what not to do. Right. And one one reason why I share my stories on LinkedIn, whether it be for, uh, you know, starting a business or leading a leading an organization or leading a team or leading your family. I share these things because I want other people to understand. Number one, they're not alone. Number two, someone like me went through those things and it didn't destroy me. And number three, that they can do it, too. They can do it, too. Right. And my my hero's journey is is something that, you know, once I I hit rock bottom and I I came to myself and I I decided, Jake, you don't want to do or be this man anymore. You don't want to be here anymore. There's something better for you. There's something different for you. And I return back home and my I'm still on my return back home And, and on my return back home. I'm still trying to bring as many people as possible that I can with me as they, as I'm pulling them out of their, you know, their rock bottom or whatever it might be to help them understand that their rock bottom is not the end. It's the solid foundation to stand back up on and to head back home. And, um, and that's, that's where I'm at now. That's great. I mean, rock bottom, that that is a solid foundation. There's no more sand, mud, dirt, getting in the way. Okay. Do you have to hit rock bottom though, man, to climb out? That's, that's something that I will say this. I have not really ever spoken about this publicly, um, but there's been some rock bottom moments in my life as a, I'm 52 now. And they, these were, you know, as late as my, my late forties, there was yeah. a rock bottom moment. I was like, dang, yeah, you, you've really failed at this. You, you've screwed this one up pretty good. Uh, but I don't know that it was, I mean, to me, when I think about rock bottom and I'm, I'm looking at and listening to your story, I, I can't relate to being homeless. I've, I've not had that happen in my life. Yeah. Uh, Beth and I haven't had a divorce. Now we haven't had the perfect marriage cause there isn't one, but, but it's been good, but there has been tough times, you yeah. know, in it. So when you're speaking to somebody like me who doesn't necessarily understand what it means to hit rock bottom, like, how do you like, I don't know. How do you, uh, how do you guide me through that? Yeah. So rock bottom is different for everyone. Everyone else, everyone has a different rock bottom. Rock bottom doesn't mean that you're homeless, living on the street, living out of hotels. You're completely broke. Rock bottom can be morally empty. It could Mm. be, uh, you know, empty from a integrity or from a character perspective. Sure. Um, it could be you, you find yourself going to a job every single day that you completely hate, but you're doing it anyway because you either have to support your family or it's because your parents told you you had to. Right? Yeah, that, yeah um, I know exactly that one. Yep. yep. So, like so you, yeah. rock bottom can be something different for everyone. And it's that moment of feeling completely empty and unlike yourself, unlike yourself. Let me give you an example. The story of the Golden Buddha. So there's a story of, of the Golden Buddha back in 1952. 
um, the, the monks then in, in Bangkok, Thailand, were worshiping this golden Buddha. Or in 1952, they were worshiping this concrete Buddha and they were relocating the concrete Buddha. And a small piece of concrete fall off, falls off the side of this Buddha. One of the monks noticed that there was light coming from it and he goes over and he says, there's something coming from this Buddha. Chisels away a little bit more concrete and he notices more light coming from the Buddha. And he tells the rest of the monks, there's something underneath this Buddha. So they all chisel away and they find and discover this nine foot, eight inch, five and a half ton solid golden Buddha worth $250 million. True story. <laughs> wow. Right? Wow. So the story goes 200 years prior in the early 1700s, the monks then were worshiping this golden Buddha. And as they were worshiping this golden Buddha, they heard that the Burmese army was going to come and invade Bangkok, Thailand. So they said, we did not want the Burmese army to discover the, this valuable Buddha. Let's cover it with mud and clay. So they covered it with mud and clay. And the Burmese army comes in, kills off half the, half the village. And they inhabited the land for the next 200 years. And after about 100 years, anyone that lived there before forgot that the Buddha was once gold. The moral of the story is that as we were young, we were all born precious, innocent, and valuable. But something happened along the way. Our parents started to put their own opinions on, on us. There, our teachers started to put their own opinions on us. Bullies at school started to tell us we weren't good enough, right? Our teachers told us, you need to go into this degree. You need to go into this class. Our parents said, don't date this girl. Don't date that guy. And we started to cover ourselves to protect ourselves from this hurtful world, right? We call these walls that we put up, right? We put up these walls and we're starting to live a life that we don't even re recognize our own selves. We get somewhere midlife and we're like, I don't like how I feel, how I look. I've been carrying around this baggage my whole life. I don't even, I don't, I look in the mirror and I don't even know who I am anymore, right? That's a rock bottom moment, okay? Then something happens. You might go through a divorce. You might have a health scare. You might get fired from your job. You might even get into a bad car accident and a little bit of that clay falls off. A little bit of that clay falls off. Somebody comes up to you and they're like, you know what, James? There's something different about you. There's something more you should be doing. You should leave that job. You should leave that relationship. There's something more you should be doing with your life. I see a light coming from you. You have purpose. You have vision. There's something you should be doing. And a little bit more of that clay falls off. And you might even have a friend that comes and helps you start peeling away some of that clay until you get to a point in your life. You're like, I don't care what anyone thinks of me. I don't care what happens. I want to live my life fully to my purpose and the way that God intended me to live. And you break fee free. And you discover your golden Buddha that's buried deep inside of you. Everyone here, everyone on this earth has a light that's buried inside of them. And it's our goal to get back to the, that child that we once were that had goals, dreams, aspirations before the world destroyed our, our vision and put that fear of failure on us. Okay. So once we hit that rock bottom moment and we decide, I don't want to live like this. I don't even recognize my own self. That's the rock bottom moment that everyone might go through. That's a beautiful story. Thank you. Uh, and, and I know I had not heard of that before. That's simply amazing. Mm -hmm. But what a what a great metaphor. I love how you brought that together. And uh, the 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 clay or the concrete or whatever it might be that we've caked on ourselves, like. Do, is that what do we do it intentionally? Do we do it unintentionally? Is it does it come from others? Is it 
all of that? It's a mixture of both. You know, our, our parents, they strike fear in our hearts when they tell us, you know, don't date that girl, don't date that guy. You need to go into this for your degree. Don't take that yeah. job. It's not going to be good for you. Make sure you have a 401k. And then we start all, we start to kind of, <laughs> you know, um, form ourselves to fit that narrative and form ourselves to make other people happy. And we get to a point where we've made everyone happy, that, but we're empty inside. Man. Right. And that's a rock bottom moment. That is a great illustration. Uh, you know, and so just a just a little light bulb that came up for me is like that's that's the uh, result of being a people pleaser. hundred percent. Yeah. 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 There's a um, there's a book. It's, it's got a little age on it now. Um, and I'm going to forget the name of it. I'll put a link to it in the comments because I, I do like to share this book often and I, I'm just sort of embarrassed. I forgot the name of it, but there is a, a moment in there. Uh, it, it's a parable. The first two thirds of this book, half to two thirds is a parable. And it's about, somebody's going to know this, but Jacob, maybe you do, but it's, it's called, um, oh my gosh, it's ordinary. I'm sorry. It's, it's nobody is the character in it. Nobody. And he lives in the land of the ordinary capital O, capital N. And that made me remember the name of the book. It's called The Dream Giver. Okay. It's an amazing book. But the parable goes about how the the um, uh, he gets a big dream. Nobody gets a big dream one day. And he sets in his heart and he gets excited about it. And what does he do? Well, the first thing, he starts telling his his friends and his closest people to him. Yep. And, and this is one of the first parts of the book where it just illustrates how when we share something that's a big, massive dream with the people that love us the most, they are actually the ones that tend to talk us out of it. hundred percent. And, yeah. and that's been true for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of people who are listening are going to resonate with that. And it's, and it's not done because they don't want us to succeed. It's done because they can't see us making it. They can't see themselves making it. Therefore they don't want to see us go through pain. Right. Exactly. And they say, James, that's a great idea, but you know, maybe you should do this. Go for the safety, the security thing, play small. Yep. I know that. I know that means something to you. Anyway, have you had you seen that book before? Because if not, it, it'd be a good one for you. No, but it's definitely something kind of I'm gonna look up. To. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> something I'm gonna look up. And and it goes beyond that too. And he talks about um getting, I mean, it, it follows a scriptural formula too, where he where he meets border bullies, he gets into the wasteland, and then he finally arrives at the promised land. It's it's a great, great journey. <laughs> but it but it made me think too, Jacob, like is is uh is phrases like fake it till you make it good, bad? What what's your take on it? Yeah, I, I would say for me it's not fake it till you make it, it's faith it till you make it. You know, Dang. if, if like you, that. if you believe in, if you believe in the creator, you believe in a God, you, then if it's something that just meant for you, then, then go after it and, and fail forward because you're probably going to fail, but that doesn't mean that you still shouldn't go after it or go towards it. Right. Um, the, the children of Israel spent 40 years in, uh, <laughs> you know, in, in the wilderness and, and they could have just gone back to, um, slavery and some of them wanted to. You know, um, but they but they actually got out and they, they made it to the promised land, like you mentioned. How has how has faith shown up in your life, either from, you know, in personal times or career moves? Like, What's what's been its significance for you? I would say my favorite scripture, uh, which is Romans eight and twenty eight. Uh, Romans eight and twenty eight says that for we know that God causes all things to come together for the good 
for those that love God and those that are called according to their purpose. And, and my favorite part about that is all things. He calls us all things. And I think a lot of times people look at their life and they're like, oh, man, I wish I didn't have to go through that. But then when they look back and they see where they are now, they realize that they had to go through that in order to be where they are today. And it's because God God causes all things, whether it's good or bad, to come together for the good. So whether it's good or bad, it's still coming together for the good. And that's one of my favorite scriptures, because if I look back at my life and fail forward, that's where fail forward basically originated from is is all things right no matter good or bad i'm gonna fail through them i'm gonna fail forward i'm gonna fail up and i'm gonna fail towards my goal and uh toward towards what i want in my life no matter what i go through um whether it's good or bad so all things that's that's one thing that i i've looked at and i've realized so no matter what i go through now i i know that it's it's going to come together for my good because that's a promise that god made for me um and and if i look back at my life it absolutely has when uh, before we hit the record button, we were talking about. I said I'm, I might ask you about what's your favorite scripture verse. Yeah, and you said, oh, and you said I got one tattooed on my sh- on my shoulder, right? Yep. Is that the one? That Romans is the 8, one. Twenty eight. Yeah, Romans eight and twenty eight. And I said, don't tell it to me because I want to be surprised. Now I want to share something with you because if you were to ask me the same thing back, and this was the first scripture verse that landed on me, was Romans eight thirty seven. We are more than conquerors. Yes. And I had, I was at an event and I met a man that, that he was doing, um, it's crazy enough. Like I live in Iowa, right? So, Mm -hmm. uh, and this isn't like an Iowa thing, but he he had a ministry called a trick horse ministry. So his name was Jim. So that's my first name too. And, um, uh, he, he has since passed on, but he was there doing a demonstration with his horse and it was the, the horse would do certain movements and he was tying it back to a story that was a very faith-based thing based on we are more than conquerors. In fact, he called his ministry more than conquerors. Wow. And I ended up, and I wasn't a Christian at the time. Um, I was there reluctantly, but I was blown away by his story. And then we met later on and uh, he started just speaking to me just as a, as a guy, you know, mm-hmm. But it was my sister that had had said, hey, you need to go to this. Well, anyway, I was doing graphic design at the time. I didn't know that was your background either. Absolutely. right? So we've got some. That's kind of <laughs> cool. But um, uh, I ended up making trading cards for his ministry. And it was a, his horse in a reared up position. And we, we cut that, put it against this really cool background. And we made trading cards that he could hand out to kids at these events called More Than Conquerors. And on the back there was Romans 837. So it got... It just got pasted into my mind because I, you know, I had to look at proof it, you know, typeset all these things multiple times. And anyway, just I had to share that with you because that's really cool that I didn't know that you were going to reference Romans 8 uh, myself. So I love that. Cool. (laughs) In in talking about, you know, like staying down this this line of faith here, I think you said faith it till you make it. I think that's really awesome. I love that. Um, I I think there's a lot of danger in faking it till you make it. I think you can get yourself into trouble there. And that's where I come back to the name of this podcast, which is confidence covered by humility. Yeah. Because if I lack humility mm-hmm. and I fake it till I make it, oh, yeah. right. I get in over my head. Uh, I don't ask for help. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I don't admit that I, that I'm in over my head yep. to anybody. I don't listen to ideas from my team. And yeah, I get into a real dangerous spot there. 100%. It's career death, actually. And I've been there and I didn't die from it, but I got close. Yeah. And I don't mean physically die, but I mean, I, 
I almost lost my position or my job at, at more than one time because I thought, because, well, James is now a leader and he's not, he's supposed to know it all. So, because that's kind of how it was taught to me. hundred percent. So, so if you think about what, what we're just going for is how, how is that confidence covered by humility showing up for you? What has that meant for you in your life? So one thing that I've never been shy about is admitting what I don't know. Mm. Right. I really do feel like there is power in showing weakness. And that's one one thing that I do now. A lot of people reach out to me all the time, like, Jake, you're so vulnerable. Like, how are you doing that? A lot of a lot of people might think that what I show and what I share might show weakness. But it's it's actually showing a lot of strength because it, it mm. does. It takes a lot of strength to be that type of vulnerable. And and to have good intentions behind it. Some people just want to be, you know, pat on the back or and or um, kind of be a martyr, um, you know, right. and that's that's something I don't want. I, you know, I, I don't want a pity party. I don't want people to pity me at all. So that's false humility. Right? It's false humility. Right. Yeah. It's, it's false humility. So so for me, the confidence, uh, you know, by um, humility is is something that I. I know what I'm good at, but I'm still going to remain humble, right? I know what I'm good at, but I also know that I'm still working at whatever it might be. And I know that there's something, someone always better, right? And that was something I was taught in football. It doesn't matter how fast you are, strong you are, how good you can catch. Someone else can is faster, stronger, and they can catch better than you. So that should keep you humble enough. And the last thing I'll, I'll say on that is um, we both know that the pride comes before the fall, right? And right. like you mentioned a little earlier, if you get outside of that humility zone um, and you try to fake it until you make it, you're going to fall pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when, when I think about that, it, it is, um, I think it's different for all of us. And, and, and the one thing that I, I like to share with people, especially in, in a coaching session or in a training room is, is that uh, everybody understands what happens when you're, when you're overly confident, right? And you oh, yeah. lack the humility. Everybody understands that. But then I flip it too. I'm like, okay, so what happens when you don't have a foundation of confidence and there's, there's too much humility. So first of all, it could be used in a false way to get that pity and to make you feel good. Mm-hmm. Or it just means that you're, you're, you're perceived as so timid or weak. Nobody wants to follow you. They don't, they think you're a nice person, Yeah. but they don't believe in you to the point where they will follow you and yeah. go and, you know, <clears throat> kick through the doors of whatever it is you're working on. Yeah. And, and I just think that that is, um, it, it's in constant flux too. You know, I, I always, I, for those of you that are watching you can see my hands doing this gesture of, of coming in and out. I think of it, it's like, it's almost like a heartbeat where, at what point in the day do you need to have greater humility and lower confidence, right? Or when does it have to have higher confidence? When do those things have to flex? Because it changes throughout the course of a day. Absolutely. And it's, it's something that I teach in my personal branding workshop. So I put on a personal branding masterclass where I talk about, you know, I, what, do, how do people view you? You know, is, hmm. is your, um, subject matter expert, is it weak? Is it strong? You know, are you negative? Are you positive? Where is that delicate balance to the point where you gain people's trust based on what you know, but you don't turn them off by the way that you show it. Right. Right. Um, it's like, where, where is that delicate balance? And I think that's something that we all have to work on because you can turn people off and you can put people off based on the way that your delivery might be. Right. 
Um, and you can turn people off because they don't believe that you really know what you're saying because it's not strong enough. Right. Right. Um, so finding that delicate balance is something that I've been working on over the last five, six years to make sure that the people that come to me come to me because of what they believe in, what they trust from me and what they've seen in me. Um, and I don't then I'm not turning people off based on any type of arrogance or uh, pride. So you introduced me to something I didn't know, yeah. and and you talked to me about the word meek. Mm-hmm. T- tell us what 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 it is that you've discovered about the word meek. So the the, the word meek to me is a, is a word that has stuck with me for probably about fifteen years. A wise man once told me a long time ago that meekness um, is often uh, related to the word weak. Um, which is just not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, the word meekness actually means power under control. So they always say you can tell how strong a man is by how much he can control his strength, right? And not having to show it off, right? Um, the, the strongest people in the world can uh, sustain and retain their strength and use it whenever they need to use it, right? The Christ was known as meek, right? Jesus Christ. And the reason why is because he could have called down legions of angels to to come and take him off the cross and do what he needed. But he had enough strength to follow through with his promise and what his father asked him to do. He had enough strength to be meek and to allow those things to happen to him throughout his whole life and not show his strength, but show it when he needed to. Right. And only for the goodness of God and only to point people to God and to the light. And I think a lot of times we have gifts, talents, abilities that um, we can often show off or we can use at the wrong times in the wrong ways. And if we maintain that meekness, that power under control and use it when when it's most necessary and use it when it, it makes most sense, that actually will show more strength than weakness. Mm. It's, it's a beautiful thing. How, I don't know how we got those words goofed up. Yeah. But but when you had told me that and you said it's how did you say power under power control? under control I went whoa <laughs> it's like that is the coolest thing and 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 I've been that person that that has misunderstood that word and I have associated being meek with being timid and weak and yeah. all of these things and clearly that is that is not what that that means I I was so excited when you told me <laughs> that I was like man we could do a whole podcast I think on that absolutely uh, so so power under control. Let's talk about that a little bit further. What does it look like? I mean, you touched on it. You touched on it some, but but what is if let's say let's make it a little bit more like because um, I tend to talk a lot of business stuff. Now this isn't just a business podcast. Yeah, I don't want it to be that, but I do. I'm a, I'm a business coach. I work with organizations on this all the time. Mm-hmm. What I want to have is I want to have um, a business, and I'm looking for this when we start to work. Do they operate with integrity? Do they mm-hmm. treat people with dignity? And do they create prosperity? Yeah. If that's their mindset or their actions or both, we're going to be compatible, yeah. at least to, to keep going. Yeah. If I find red lights in those areas, it's red light. I'm, I can't do this. It's a stop for me. So now when I'm thinking about what does it look like to operate, I mean, you're an entrepreneur yeah. with power under control. Yeah. So as a as a leader and as one that coaches leaders, one of my favorite things when it comes to meekness um, as a leader. Right. 
Simon Sinek tells a story uh, about a leader that had an employee that was just not performing for months on end, right? Now, on one hand, that leader walked in the office and said, hey, you're on a 90-day probation. If you don't get it together in the next 90 days, you're fired. You're out. The other hand, the leader walks in and asks the employee, hey, can you come in my office? I want to talk to you. And they sit them down and they say, hey, I noticed that you haven't really been performing like you usually do. Right. What's going on? Is something happening at home? Is there anything I can help you with? And he showed empathy. Right. So the same power that he could to just get rid of someone he used to encourage someone in that employee, their performance skyrocketed within the next 30 days because mm-hmm. they knew that their leader cared and they knew of the power their leader had, but did not use. That is power under control. That's amazing because power out of control oh, is yeah. forceful and pushed down and demanding and, and dictator, you know, style and yep. all leading of with things. fear, leading with fear. Yeah. yeah. Oh gosh. That's a, <laughs> that's a toxic environment. Yeah. And, and I still see it from time to time. And I've actually seen it too with people that, that, okay. So I'm telling you, I'm looking for dignity and integrity and, and can we create prosperity? So I've had those green lights there and then I get in and then I find out that I've got a really intense leader here that I'm working with. Now, they may be middle layer management. They may be at the at the top. Yep. They could be anywhere in there. And what I find is that they are, are operating with this command, control, do it my way, create fear kind yep. of concept. What I found is that they never really meant that. They didn't. They didn't know they were coming across that way. And I'm sure you've probably experienced those things too. How do you coach? How do you coach through that, Jacob? Yeah. A lot of times what, what I do is I work with leaders to understand like, what is your leadership style? Where did you get that from? Right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of times our leadership styles come from the way that we were led before or the way that we did not want to be led before. So one thing that I learned is I did not want to be micromanaged at all. So I was the complete opposite leader. Right. But then I was so disengaged with my employees because I was trying to allow them to do their things. But I had to realize my employees aren't like me. That's more self self self-sufficient, more go getter, more self-starter. Right. Some of them needed that extra push. Some of them needed that, you know, one on ones every week where I did not need that. Right. So I had to find that balance to understand. And a lot of times I had to ask my employees what am I not doing for you? Or what am I doing for you that you want me to do more of? What am I not doing that you want me to do more of? And what am I doing that you want me to do less of? I was vulnerable and humble enough and meek enough to hear that feedback from my employees, right? Some leaders don't want to hear it. I'm in the position. I got the management title. I've, you know, this is what it's going to be. And I wouldn't be here if they, if I wasn't doing something right. Right. But that that shows a very closed mind and that shows a mind that's not willing to bend or not willing to transform or grow at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of times I have leaders reach out to their employees, take a survey to understand how they want to be led and what's the best way to lead them as well. And that does open up a lot of eyes. That's very cool. That's that's great advice. And, and you're right. You're so right that we lead based on how we've been led and we can either do it that way or to your point, we swing the pendulum the other way and 100%. we do kind of the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really good. Well, as we're, we're starting to wind down this, the time together here, um, I want you to be able to share 
some of the things that you're working on. I know you you mentioned a, a personal branding masterclass. I'd like you to talk about that. Mm-hmm. I know you're working on a book. I'd like you to get a chance to promote that um, or any events that you've got coming up, Jacob. So take it away. Um, and then whatever you mention in there, I'll make sure we get into the show notes so people can follow up regardless of when they're they're listening to this. Yeah. yeah. So um, for those who don't know, I, I'm I, I've tailored down all of the things that I'm doing in my life and I'm and they're pretty much bundled into two different things. I'm an entrepreneur, full-time entrepreneur. I'm a co-founder of Varlo, which is a cycling triathlon apparel brand. My business partners and I launched that in January of 2020 and we are the fastest growing cycling triathlon apparel brand in the world. Um, we've got a lot of big announcements coming over the next six months, so stay tuned. Um, if you want to check that out, it's varlosports.com. And um, outside of that, I am a transformational speaker. This is what I do full time. I left the agency corporate world um, back in January and I'm doing this full time. Um, I travel um, domestically and abroad. So I've got a uh, international talk in Curacao. Last year I spoke at Aruba. It's one of the ABC islands. Um, I I, uh, just got a call yesterday. I'm going to be speaking at the Intel retail conference down in San Antonio in May. Next week, I'm going to be flying down to Phoenix and Arkansas to go speak there as well. So I've got quite a few different speaking engagements going on this year. Um, but that's that's kind of where my passion lies is is empowering, transforming minds and encouraging people to go after goals and things that they normally would have never done through my fill forward concepts as well. Um, I do also do a personal branding masterclass. I just ran that a couple of weeks ago. I'm probably going to be doing another one in June and July. So stay tuned to that. If you want to follow me, you can follow me on LinkedIn or you can follow my website, which is failforwardbrown.com. And uh, yeah, again, James, I, I really appreciate you having me on and uh, I'm looking forward to, to to more of these in the future. Wow, man, it, it's been a true blessing. I loved the conversation today. I knew it was going to be good. I just knew it. Uh, so <laughs> so uh, a closing thought, like what what's a takeaway? What, what's something that um, you, you would like to leave our listeners with, whether it be just kind of a final thought or something that, that maybe just struck your heart today when you woke up? Yeah, I, I would say that we all were born with gift, talents and abilities, and we all have a purpose in life. And as scary as it might be, I know that a lot of people say, you know, I can't make money off of my gift or talent or purpose. And it's just simply not true. You know, if you believe in the creator, you believe in God, then he will provide you with with the provision that you need to go after the goals that you have. Um, as long as you keep them first and, and, and pursue those things, you will see the fruits of your labor. And my favorite quote is speak what you seek until you see what you said. There is power in the tongue. So make sure that you guys speak what you seek until you see what you've said. Beautiful. What a great way to end. Jacob, again, can't thank you enough for being here. Uh, again, I have the, the links to um, how to contact you and follow you uh, in the notes. So again, thank you. thank you for coming and we'll catch you all next yes, time sir. on the uh, Confidence Covered by Humility podcast. Thank you. God bless. God bless.